All right. Good morning again. Good to be with you. Uh, I'm Pastor Devin. Uh, as we dive in this morning, uh, let me give you some context to this message. So, uh, yearly and then every six months to review, yearly I put together a personal development plan for myself. I've been doing this for like the last six years, and those who I'm in discipling relationship with, we have this conversation. What does your PDP look like, your personal development plan? So in the personal development plan, there's a goal set for five different areas, for spiritual, relational, physical, intellectual, and uh, financial. So in those five areas, what is it that I hear from God? So as I'm diving into this in December and now into January, January. I'm asking God, what is it that you're desiring uh, for me and from me in these areas of my life that I can put a goal together? These are something different than a... Um a, uh, uh, a New Year's resolution, because those never work for me. You know, you get to... Um, a week into January, you've already failed. So this development plan is like a, a living document. So I put it up together, what I hear from God, and then as it's ongoing into June, and then I relook at it and assess and ask people around me uh, who I'm accountable to, what is it that uh, in here, how is it going? Am I... Am I making it? Is this not working? Is this not maybe not what God has for me now, but maybe later, and I need to rework this document, this personal development plan? So in the midst of this, I am I'm wrestling with the last two years that we've navigated, and, and unlike any other, and I'm thinking, God, in the midst of this, there is still an, uh, um, something that's... Um, burning within me, it, like something that is a, creating a holy discontent, and I can't, I couldn't put my finger on it. And then in, in the first week of January, it hit me. And um, as I was listening to a song uh, called Burn the Ships, it's uh, by a group called For King and Country, uh, th and then I, I heard this other, this other phrase of it's like burning the plow. So if you want to open your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 19, that's where we're going to dive in. This story is amazing. Burning the plow is so insignificant in the midst of that story, and yet it's so big for us today. So for me, in this uh, uh, putting together my, my personal development plan for myself and what I hear from God, this uh, phrase of I, I, want to, I can't wait to get back to when we no longer have to worry about COVID. I can't wait till we get back, till we, till we return to what was, to normal, to familiar, to comfortable. I can't wait till we get back, to get back, to get back. And what God was reminding me as I'm putting together this personal development plan of what I hear from God, he goes, there is no back. There's no going back. There isn't anything to go back to, it's gone. It's no longer there. So when, you, when I say for myself, I can't wait till I no longer have to navigate the things that COVID has, has in the last two years I've had to navigate for people burning out in my life in the, in the positions they're in and having to cover for, for what's going on, for uh, relationships to be so strained that they no longer exist in face-to-face, -face, but only on screen or on text or in, in phone call or not at all. I, I can't, I, there are times where I'm thinking, I can't wait till I get back to where this is no longer reality. And God was reminding me as I'm putting that together for this coming year, there is no back. That's it. So in the phrase, burn the ships, um, uh, is, is, is a historical phrase. It's happened uh, on various occasions. It's also not super practical. Okay? It's not practical. It doesn't make sense. 
right? But um, uh, Caesar did it when they landed uh, in Britain and they were fighting the Celts and uh, his army already weary from the travel get and land and they see that the Celts already outnumber their army. And the Caesar orders, once they all get off their ship and they're standing on the shore, he orders the ships to be burned. No, it's no longer an option to leave this island. We stay and we fight and we fight for victory. Because otherwise, there's always a plan B. There's always a, let's just go. You know, we've, we, we, didn't, we, we, didn't, we didn't do well that time. We didn't last in that battle. They overran us, and now we've got ships to get back to. The burning of the ships, although not practical, practical does set your mind. There is no other way. It is forward. There's no other way. There's no escape. It's forward. Uh, Cortez did this in 1571 when they, when they crossed the Atlantic, right, for the New World, and they landed on, uh, on the soil of Mexico, and already, again, weary from the travel across the Atlantic, not sure if they'd actually make it there with storms or whatever they encountered, they set foot on land, they're, they're, they look at the jungle ahead of them, and they see the ships behind them, and they're like, yeah, I think that's a better idea. So he get, Cortez gets all of his conquistadors and explorers off the ships, and he orders the ships to be burned. They are a long way from home. There is no other way here. We are here. Let's find out what we have. Let's find out what's before us. Let's keep moving forward. Right? Even Napoleon did it in battle. They land on, the, on an island to, uh, to fight the enemy, and uh, the outnumbered... <coughs> Napoleon orders that the ships be burned. He tells his, his soldiers, victory is the only way. That's it. We're moving this way. There is no retreat. We're moving this way. And God just in this, burn the ships, burn the plow, and we'll get, that, get to that in 1 Kings 19 of what Elisha did. But there is no other option. We are moving forward. God has something before us that's good. It's good for us. He desires good for us. If we're standing in the present and we're hoping for the past, we'll never see the future. If we're standing in the present and we're hoping for what was in the past, we'll never see the goodness or even be aware of the goodness that God has for us in the future. And he has good for us in the future, albeit the present is, is mighty challenging. After a week of what we have endured in this county, it seems appropriate to say we stand on the shores as the waters recede, we are not going back. God has something good for us to move forward into. Let's open our eyes to see that. Let's not forget what's taken place. Let's not forget that. Let's learn from it, but let's move forward to what God has for us, eyes open to see the goodness of what he has. So we see this, um, well, to, to, the, to burn ships, the, the, one of the lyrics in Burn the Ships is, we got to burn the ships, cut the ties, send a flare into the night, say a prayer, turn the tide, dry your tears, wave goodbye, step into a new day. That whole song is about there is a new day and a new way. The backstory to that song is one of the singers, the brothers, his wife, after uh, in the midst of her uh, uh, pregnancy, second pregnancy, uh, had a terrible nausea and was um, subscribed these pills to help with her, her nausea. Well, through the pregnancy, she found herself addicted to these pills over and over again, taking them more and more and more. And she called her husband who was on tour and said, you've got to come home right now. And he goes, what's going on? And, and her statement 
it was, we, we, we've got to address this. I'm addicted to these pills. And so he came home. He took her to a psychiatric facility where she was admitted into uh, a rehab where he would drop her off at 9 a.m., pick her up at 2 a.m. In the midst of that whole process, uh, she came home and had a bottle of pills in her hand. And he said, honey, what's that? Why do you have a bottle of pills in your hand? He goes, she said, I, I have got to dump these. These pills represent so much shame and so much guilt. I have got to get rid of these. And they went to the bathroom and they flushed them down the toilet. And she says, I'm ready to step into a new day in a new way. I'm ready for what God has for me. No longer holding on to the pills for her. So that for her, for them, was a burn the ships moment. There is no going back. This is it. There's something else God has for me out in the future. As I walk this out, as I desire for to be free from this addiction, there's something good God has for us. So for each of us, there's a burn the ship moment. There's a moment where we say, no more. I'm not going to hold on to this anymore because it has, it has helped me into the past or has helped me from something God desires for me, and I'm ready to dump it. I'm ready to leave it. I'm ready to burn it, and I'm ready to move, God. Move where you're calling me. So as we dive into 1 uh, Kings 19, we see this story with Elijah. Now, Elijah is a prophet of God, and he is zealous for God. This is the, this is the prophet that stands before uh, Baal and the other prophets of Baal and he says look competition me versus you you couple hundred and me we'll see who wins we'll see whose gods win is it the Baal and your God or is it the almighty God let's see well if we remember this story of how Elisha is sort of in this competition one out right God burned up all this wood that was soaked it was soaking wet with water and water surrounded like a moat and God burned it up and just engulfed in flame Right? Totally gone. Then Elisha not only wins this competition, but kills all the prophets of Baal, which angers the king and his wife, the queen Jezebel, who now Jezebel wants his head on a platter, right? For the, she says the same thing that happened to the prophets of Baal may it happen to you. So Elisha, I know it sounds weird, seeing all that God had done is now fearing for his life because now Jezebel wants him dead. So, I, I mean, I think the truth in there is the, is the fear of a woman might cause you to hide in a cave. Okay? Whatever it is. Like, he, he, he not only saw God do an incredible work in proving who he is and how his might and power is, to then fearing for his life. So he's hiding in a cave, and he's crying out to God, and he's saying, I have been zealous for you. I've been zealous for the Lord, and I've done these things, and I've seen this work, and now I've, I am, they want me dead. I'm the only prophet. I'm, the, I'm your only prophet left in the land, and now they want me dead too. Right? And, and this is the story of in that cave. He goes out uh, on the mountain and, uh, from the cave, and, and the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the mighty wind, right? Uh, it's the earthquake, and then it's the, it's the small voice. God is in that small voice. And what God tells Elijah is, you might think you're the only prop, my prophet in the land left. You might think that you're it. Like this has been a really difficult season for you, Elijah. You might think this is just you, that you've had to navigate this alone. I'm going to bring someone. I'm going to call someone else to come and help you. His name's Elisha. And then I want you to go and I want you to anoint these, these other kings for the land, for my people. And then also there are 7,000 still existing in the land who have not kissed the idol Baal or kissed the feet of Baal, but they love and they honor me. There are still 7,000 that exist in the land. You're not the only one, Elijah. 
And he tells him to leave that cave and to go down and to find Elisha. And so here in 19, he finds Elisha. And he, immediately it says he finds Elisha. He goes and he places his mantle. Now, a mantle is like a scarf that for the people of Israel, when they, see, when they would see Elisha come around, and he would have this mantle, this, this uh, um, uh, a piece of fabric, a scarf, a robe, that would signify this is someone who's been anointed by the Spirit of God. They hear from God, and they are God's mouthpiece for God's people. They, they, th- this would just signify, we know who Elisha is. He's, he's the prophet of God, right? So Elisha goes down from the cave. He finds, he finds Elisha, who is plowing a field, right? With plowing a field with 12 pairs of oxen. I don't know how big this plow equipment is, but 24 oxen. Some, that might be stronger than some tractors, I imagine, out there. Point. Tw- 12 pairs, and Elisha is at the 12th and, and plowing this field. Plowing this field with 24 oxen. So uh, Elisha's probably is not poor, <laughs> and he probably has a lot of land to plow. This is a mighty, a mighty case of, of just land property and getting it ready for harvest, right? So he's plowing a field with 12 pairs of oxen. Elijah comes, Elijah comes along, places his mantle on Elisha and just keeps walking. Well, Elisha maybe realizes what the, he is now is over him, this mantle that has been placed on him, and he runs after Elisha. He runs after Elijah and says, Elijah, let me go back and kiss my mother and father and take care of that stuff and then I'll go follow you. And so Elijah lets him go back and he goes back and, he, and here's what he does. He barbecues the oxen. 24 oxen are being barbecued and they're being cooked by the plow and the implements to plow a field for the harvest. He's using that wood and everything else to barbecue 24 oxen. I have never been to a barbecue like that. That is, an ex- that is a significant amount of meat. Significant. And Elisha goes back, and he barbecues the oxen, he burns the plow, and then he goes, says he goes and he attends to Elijah, or to, Eli- yeah, to Elijah and ministers to him at the end of 19. We, sometimes I read chapter 19, I think Elijah in the mountain, hearing from God, Elisha and this, uh, you know, running from, from Jezebel who wants to kill him. And then I miss this moment where he calls Elisha to him to come follow him, to come be the next prophet of God, to hear from God and be the mouthpiece for his people. And in this moment, Elijah takes what, his, what is his livelihood and he burns it. He barbecues the oxen, he gives it to the people, and he runs after to attend to Elijah to now follow him. There is no turning back, there is no plan B, there is no safety net. He burns his livelihood, there's nothing to come back to. That's it. Now, for us, what is it maybe, is there a, is there a, Is there an old habit, an old desire that exists in the past, an old grudge, old relationships that need to be left in the past year, that need to be let go of so that we can see where God's moving in the future? Now, God may not be calling you to upend your life, to 
to sabotage or to, to burn up a job or relationship, but, but maybe God would be calling you to, um, not to upend your life, but calling you to live it differently. Have a different perspective in what God has for you and where he's calling you. Have a different attitude in, in how your relationships you have and, and, and how you're going about it. Maybe, maybe it's to reflect his glory in a certain way that hasn't necessarily been a focus or even a part of the plan. See, we, we recognize as following Christ that we have been, we've been clothed with Christ we have been anointed and appointed according to his will and his work in our life, that he has, not only has he created us as a masterpiece, but he's created good works for us to do. So we know that what exists in the future is good. Good works for us to engage in. Now, we are a hardy people. Otherwise, we wouldn't live in a floodplain. We're a hardy people. So when the rest of the world is, is like, what is happening? What's going on in, in Lewis County? Yes, we recognize we live in a floodplain. This does happen. It is hard to deal with, and yet we are a hardy people. We come around. We support each other. We make phone calls. We ask, how are you doing? Do you need help? How can I support you? How can, do you need rescue? Do you need, do you need attending to? We are a hardy people. We know that, and we also know that God has good in store for us. In the future, no matter the hardships we might endure in the present, he has good things for us moving forward. Not stuck in what was or what used to be or even what was comfortable. I mean, one of the stories that even is shared with uh, this, the backstory of the Burn the Ships uh, song for King, that for King and Country uh, wrote and sang is that what he realized was that part of the burn the ships, especially with the story of Cortez landing on the shores of Mexico, is that those, those explorers and conquistadors, they wanted to go back to a ship, but really that ship was, was dirty. It was, it was, they had been in it they had, for months. It, it was not enticing, and yet what stood ahead of them was uncertain and had a certain amount of fear, and they wanted to go back to what was familiar and what was comfortable. And yet what that was, was not... Was, 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 yeah, old and dingy and gross, and, and they'd been in it. And they landed a new world where they got some fresh fruit and all sorts of stuff, but the uncertainty of what existed and what lied ahead was too much for them. And so they had to burn it. They had to burn it to get rid of it. It's no longer an option. There's no plan B. There's no going back. We are where we're at, and we're moving forward. Now, if we're going to move forward in this new year, in 2022, and this is for me as well, what I realize is it isn't just about burning the ship or the plow. That would be adventurous, but also dumb, right? It's not practical. You're burning the ship. For those who land on shores that are unknown, you're not even able to use the resources that that ship could have. You're getting rid of it totally, so if, if we're going to move out in 2022 and hear from God for the future, what are those good works you have, then we have really got to be connected to the Father. We've got to have some spiritual practices that help us, that help us to grow in our faith, to grow in courage, that if we're even going to burn those ships or burn those plows, that they no longer exist for us to go back to, we need to be connected to the heart of the Father and what he wants for us what he desires, the good things he desires for us in the future and the days ahead, right? We make, make plans, but God orchestrates our steps, right? We don't know what's, what's true. And how many in the last two years, you're like, I want to make a plan for a vacation or a trip, but I don't know if it'll be available. And it's kept us from making plans. You know how depressing that is? 
I, I want to make a plan to make a trip, but I don't know if that country will be open. I don't know if I could be able to get there. I mean, right now, between the floods and the passes being closed, we're, we're on an island ourselves. But, it, but, but if we let the uncertainty of the future keep us from making plans, then are we, how do we even trust God to orchestrate our steps to move out in that direction. It's okay to make plans, but God's gonna orchestrate our steps. He's gonna guide us along the way. So having some spiritual practices to hear from him daily, to hear from him regularly, to be, uh, in, uh, to be indwelling of the Holy Spirit, say, here's, here's who you are and what I have for you. To hear from God, to know that. So I've got some spiritual practices that, that might help us. One is uh, uh, from a resource by Richard Foster, Celebration of Discipline. Uh, this is a, a, I mean, I'd say old. It's older than me. So, that, okay, well, it's been around, but it's not, it's not old. But okay, spirit, uh, Richard Foster's is in the spirit, uh, Celebration of Discipline that there's three areas of disciplines. There's the inward disciplines, which is, uh, we'll put up here, which is prayer, fasting, study, meditation. Those are inward disciplines, okay? Uh, good ones to do, right? A lot of times we think of, of disciplines like it's, it's, it's uh, Bible study and prayer, and although it is Bible study and prayer, there's more. There's fasting, meditation, meditating on the word. Uh, some outward disciplines are simplicity, solitude, submission, service. These are outward disciplines uh, and spiritual practices and how we connect with God and others and the world around us. And then there are some corporate disciplines, which is confession, worship, guidance, celebration. These are some of that we're even uh, doing today, right? Worship, the gathering, uh, the celebration even. Uh, it's good even in corporate uh, uh, disciplines. The confession, confess one to another, right? It's good. It, uh, it sharpens each other. Then another uh, resource I use for myself is uh, uh, a guy by the name of Marty Solomon, and he talks about creating space for spiritual practices. Uh, and so one is Bible study and prayer. It exercises the mind to love God through the reading and study of his word. Exercise the mind to love God through the reading and study of his word. Now, as I was diving in more and more to, to the story of Elijah and Elisha and that whole kind, it, it, it drove me in deeper to hear from, to understand who God is and his relationship he had with Elijah and his relationship he had with Elisha. And then how they, inter, how they interacted together. Um, Marty also talks about uh, that in prayer, that there's prayer journaling, uh, that there's a fixed hour of prayer, which some would call like God's, the, it's, it's going to the office with God. Going to the office, I'm going to commune with, with God. We're going to have a meeting. Uh, hopefully it's more God talking to me than it's me talking to God. But, you know, it can go back and forth. Uh, but it's a fixed hour of prayer. Contemplative prayer. Uh, and then praying the text. As you read, and Psalms are really good at this, pray the text. Uh, David's words are often those prayers, those songs that he could pray and meditate on. Uh, and then some other areas, solitude, Sabbath, and silence. And Marty talks about these as creating a space to become more aware of the love, grace, and companionship of God. Being more aware through solitude, through Sabbath, through silence. Being more aware of God's love, God's grace, and his desire to want and, desire and be in relationship with you and with me. And so in that... Um, Marty talks about there also the practicing the presence of God. Now he uses this as a uh, learning to be aware of God as a constant companion, staying in constant 
contact with God. He used the resource of Brother Lawrence, who, um, as, a, as a soldier who got injured in battle uh, as part of the French army, uh, found uh, able to recover in a monastery. Now, he wasn't a, a, a monk, but he recovered in a monastery, and as he got better and he could move around, they gave him some jobs, like cleaning the latrines. Imagine how great that was in 1500s France, uh, as well as cooking and cleaning and doing the dish of cleaning up from the, from the meal and all that. These were his jobs in the monastery. Well, he did it in such a way uh, that he was like, is there anything else for me? And he went out and sat under, it was wintertime, he went out and sat under a tree. It was a willow tree, and it was all like the trees out here now. No leaves. It's all barren. It's all, there, there's no, it, it's just sticks, <laughs> connected to this tree, and he sits under this tree, and he looks up, and he says, is this is me? Is there, a, is there anything else? And what he hears from God is it, is it he goes, uh, there is a new season coming. There's a new season in your life coming, just like for this tree, spring's coming. Spring is coming, and when spring comes, the leaves come out. It, imagine a willow tree, just branches flowing down with leaves. It looks majestic, it looks amazing. It's not gonna be barren forever. There will be fruit that comes from this tree, leaves and growth that come from this tree. In the same way, fruit will come from your life. And so we went back to the monastery, and he just kept serving. He kept serving in a way, and he goes, that everything I do, I want to glorify God. If I'm cleaning the latrines, I want to glorify God, and even in this act. If I'm, if I'm cooking and preparing a meal, even cleaning up from the meal, I want to do everything knowing this is for the glory of God. I want God to be glorified in my actions and my work as I am here. And people began to see uh, uh, who he was and what he was about, that even these menial tasks that no one was asked to do, that just him, that he took it on of, of, of the sense of I can do this because God is with me. Not only is God with me, but I desire my work that I do for God to be glorified. And people began to take notice that learning to be aware of God is a constant companion, staying in constant contact with God. And everything he did, it was not siloed in this, I did this work thing, and then I went to, to bed, and then I went out and played, and I did this other thing. God was in all of it for Brother Lawrence. And, and we can, in practicing the presence of God, recognize that God's in all of it. Marty also talks about simplicity. And then in simplicity is resisting the pull of complexity, acquisition, consumption, and hurry through the intentional pursuit of a simple life, right? Whether it's in our dress, in our eating, in the transportation, in the technology, in our speech, in, in other areas, is practicing the simplicity that oftentimes we can get so hurried and so moving from one place to another that we are, we're just stressed to the max. And we are anyway in the present culture and what we're navigating even now. There's enough time for hurry that we ought to plan in our calendar some time for unhurried and simple time. He then also, Marty talks about a lifestyle of generosity, submission, gratitude, uh, meditation and memorization, spiritual direction, asking others to come alongside us, spiritual um, uh, mentors and pastors to come and help us, gives that some of that spiritual direction. Fasting and self-denial, fasting and celebration, looking at your calendar. What does it look like? Is it super full? Winter time for... Typically, maybe not in our culture and society, but typically wintertime was a time of rest. This is where we put on the winter weight. Well, okay. This is where I put on the winter weight, so when it comes to spring, summer, and fall, I've got enough to burn through. Okay. I'm just giving you all permission to eat. 
I'm giving you permission to eat. I know January came around, we're like, you know, I need a New Year's resolution where I gotta cut down because spring break's coming. Yes, it's coming, and there'll be time for that, right? But it's a time of rest, slowing things down, an unhurried, maybe an unhurried life for, for a season, for a moment. So in reflection, here's some questions to think about. What are some practices that you're already enjoying? What are some practices you're already enjoying? What are some, some, some rhythms, some things that are working well for you? And you recognize these are good spiritual practices, and I, and I, wanna, I w- either want to hold on to them, I want to, I want to in- keep engaging with that, and maybe invite others into that. What are some practices you're already enjoying? Another question is, what are a few that you want to pursue more? What are some areas, uh, maybe these spiritual practices that you've seen here, or some other ones you know about, that, you know, I, I maybe want to pursue that a, a bit more in my life in the next year, in the next six months, in the next month, whatever that looks like, in my pursuit of connecting with God. And then the other question is, put into action, a, uh, uh, put an action plan in place. And how are you actually going to pursue this? Now, it's really good to say, you know, I'd really like to do this. This is how New Year's resolutions go, right? right? Maybe we write them down, we just think them in our head. I want to lose this much by this time, or I want to go here by then. Uh, and then maybe we write them down, maybe we don't. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it don't. Sometimes we feel good about it. Sometimes we just feel guilty that we even had it, right? And so put it down. What is, for these spiritual practices, what's your action plan? And how are you actually going to pursue it? And then who maybe is going to ask you that question? How's it going? I've got people in my life that come May and June, they're asking me, hey, Devin, how's your personal development plan? How are those five areas of your life and those goals that you've heard from God? These aren't goals that I've asked other people. What do you think that I should do in my, in my goal of my, my spiritual life or my relational, relational life or my intellectual or physical or financial life? I'm not asking other people for their input on that. I'm asking God. What is it, God, that is here in in this arena, in this realm that you're asking me to pursue or to leverage for the kingdom's sake? And in that way, I give my personal development plan to a couple other people, and that come May and June, they're like, how's this going? Or even March. Hey, mid, you know, quarter of the way in. How's it going? Is this still what you hear from God? Are you still pursuing it? Is there still a plan in place to make this happen, to, to, to go in that direction? These are good practices. And then I have people in my life who are asking me that question. It keeps me going, not as of guilt or shame, because these aren't from them. They're for, it's, these are things I hear from God. And that maybe it needs to be reworked, yes. That's why it's a living document, not one written in stone. But there are times where we, for me, I came to a place where I was like, it is burn the plow. I no longer want to say, I can't wait till we're done with COVID. I can't wait till we get back to 2019 pre-COVID. I no longer want to say that. It's done. I want to burn that ship and move in the direction God's called me and how he's called me. And what he's calling me into is good work, good things, good things to put my hands to, good things to, in relationships. I want to be a part of those things, not holding on to the past and unprepared for the present and the future. We're going to take a moment to, uh, even in this spiritual practice and sacrament of communion, to commune with God. And so uh, the worship team will lead us uh, as we uh, partake in communion. But again, another practice. As we partake in communion, the bread that represents the body of Christ that's broken, that he, he willingly 
let his body be broken and beaten and, and to the cross to shed his blood. And so the juice represents his blood. It's a covering of our sin, a forgiveness of our sin, and a moment even for us, individually and corporately, to say, Lord, thank you for this gift. I receive it. I receive this gift, and in communion with you, God, I desire to live for you and with you. Lead me where you're calling. Right? Lead me where you're calling. Lord, help me burn those, burn those ships, burn those plows that, that need to be left in the past so that I can move out to where you're calling me. And so the elders are going to come, and, and uh, we'll have one at each uh, table to help uh, serve with the, with the bread, with the cracker. Um, and then as the uh, worship team leads us, I invite you uh, to come and to, um, and to come and to partake the elements. You can you take the, the, the juice and the cracker, and you can come and you can pray at the altar to the things that maybe you need to, need to leave there. And leave in the past and, and, and let them go uh, to be ready to move in the future. And you can go back to your seats as well and take it in your own time as they lead us. So I'm going to pray. Uh, and then, uh, again, the worship team will lead us. And I um, invite you to come after I pray and receive communion. Lord God, this morning, you are such a good God. You are such a good God. And that, that even in our lives and the things that we've endured, we are a hearty people, yes. We have endured a number of obstacles, whether it be from the last two years or just in the last week, God. And what, what it looks like even moving out uh, in this week to come. But God, what we do know about you is that you are a good God and that you love us. And that is that you have called us according to your purposes. Those purposes are good. You've got good works in store for each of us to put our hands to, to engage with, to be a part of your kingdom work in the world, to see your, this world and relationships, people being reconciled to you, God, to be back in relationship with you because it is good to be in relationship with you, connected to you. But God, sometimes we have got to let those things go in the past. We've got to burn them, that there is no other way. We cannot turn around. We cannot go back. Even look, looking back, we've got to understand that isn't even that great that what you have for us moving out in the future according to your will and your purposes is the good stuff. Help us hold on to that. Help us have eyes open for that. Lead us, we pray, in this time of communion. Speak to our hearts. Let us hear from you, and may your spirit fill us, we pray. In your name, amen.